laser lights. And so invite people to come. It's a good, good way to bring folk to church and get them saved, okay? Don't forget this Wednesday, if you can come from 7 to 8, we're gonna, I'm going to start teaching on the, uh, on the life of Christ. So we'll have a good time. I can't think about anything else I'd rather study about than the life of Jesus. How about you? So if you can come, come. We'll have a nice time. Let's get right into the, into the Word of God. Does anybody know what we're doing a series on? Does anybody remember right now? Fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to conclude it today. There, how many fruit are there? Do you know? Nine, and so we're going to do the last one today. We've been doing, looking at them one at a time, and so we're going to do the last one today, which is self-control. That's always everybody's favorite. So, so uh, in Galatians five verse nineteen, Galatians five nineteen. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies. Outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So he didn't even get all of them in the list here that are works of the flesh. And then he says, of which I tell you beforehand. This is the Apostle Paul writing under the direction of the Holy Spirit to Christians in the regions of Galatia. He says, of which I tell you beforehand, just as also I told you in times past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Very, very sobering thought there, isn't it? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The King James translates it temperance. Self-control is how it's translated in the New King James and in most versions. And against such there is no law. Now remember, just by way of review, we've been telling you this every week. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is looking for us to produce two kinds of fruit. The first being what? Souls. And then the second would be this fruit of the Spirit. Okay? And uh, we saw in the introductory session, ten weeks back, nine weeks back, whatever it was, that... Jesus is looking for us to produce fruit. And if we're not, particularly if we're not going out telling people about him and, 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 and seeing people saved and producing souls, that's the number one fruit that God looks for. The Lord doesn't like that. He, 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 he doesn't like it if we're not producing fruit. So he wants us to produce fruit. And then, of course, the fruit of the Spirit, which we just read about. Remember, we get this fruit of the Spirit in us when we get born again, when we get saved, when, when we repent of our sins and receive Jesus. But just because that fruit's in there does not mean that it is flourishing in our lives. And we've shown you in times past, in these different lessons, that you can have the fruit of the Spirit to greater or lesser degrees in your life at any given time. We showed you how joy can be full, it can also wither. You know, and it's true with all of these fruit. They can be more or less. It's up to us to cultivate them. There's ways we can do it. The number one way is, of course, spending time in the Word of God. The Word of God is likened unto water, and the Word of God will water the fruit of the Spirit. It'll cause it to grow. We have to then, remember, yield to the fruit of the Spirit, and it takes faith to do that. And uh, we've also brought out that you cannot overcome the works of the flesh, which we just read about, 
you cannot overcome them ultimately with willpower. You can only overcome them with willpower for a while. But the willpower will always lose out to the works of the flesh. The only way to overcome the works of the flesh is to develop these nine fruit and then walk yielded to them. Notice Galatians 5.16 says, Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's the only way to not fulfill the lusts of the flesh is to walk in the Spirit. Yield to the fruit of the Spirit, which we just read about. Love, joy, peace, and so forth. Now, let's conclude then by talking about self-control. And you need to realize this fruit, now they're all important. All these fruit are important. Okay? The most important one would be which one? It would be love, the first one. And all of the other eight fruit are encompassed inside of love. And, of course, these nine fruit are intertwined and they work together. It's not like you just should have one fruit. You know the gifts of the Spirit? Remember we brought out to you there's nine gifts of the Spirit? And not everybody is used in all nine gifts of the Spirit. But every Christian should have all nine of these fruit operating in your life. Did you get what I just said? Did, did, you, did you get what I just said? So not everybody's going to have those nine gifts working. Listed in 1 Corinthians 12. But every Christian should have all nine of these fruit working. At the same time. Did you get what I just said? So it's not like you just should have one of these nine fruit and not the others. Or just two or three. It's not like some Christians just have two. Some have three. Some have four. We all, we, we all when we get saved, we have not all nine of them in us. And they should all be flowing to the full all at the same time. Do you understand that? And, but having said that. This fruit of self-control, and what did I say the King James calls it? Temperance. Temperance. But self-control, really this one makes up the whole of a Christian's life from the time they get saved to the time that they physically die and go to heaven. Or until the Lord comes, whichever comes first, you know. Did you get what I just said there? This self-control, this fruit of self-control makes up the whole of the Christian's life from the time they get saved to the time that they physically die and go to be with the Lord or the Lord comes first, whichever, whichever is first. I'd like to cheat the undertaker, wouldn't you? And miss having to die and go in the rapture. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't that be wonderful? How many knows what, when I say cheat the undertaker? Do you have any idea what I'm even talking about there? And somebody asked me one time, Pastor, should, is it okay to be cremated? And I like what the one preacher said. He said, when I die, brother, he said, I don't want anything to be on fire. <laughs> but the Lord is coming. But that's another message for another day. Look at Acts 24. Verse 24, I want to prove to you what I just said about this fruit of self-control making up the whole of the Christian's life from the time they get saved to the time that they go to be with the Lord. Notice the Apostle Paul was 
up in front of this unscrupulous Roman governor named Felix. And he was talking with him and so forth. And in Acts 24, verse 24, chapter 24, verse 24, after some days when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning faith in Christ. Verse 25, now as he reasoned, now Paul is reasoning with Felix here and his wife, concerning what? Concerning righteousness. What's the first one? Righteousness. Well, faith in Christ produces righteousness. Is that correct? That's when we get saved. Is that correct? We become the righteousness of God. And then what's next? Self-control. And then finally what? judgment the bible says it's appointed unto men once to die after this the judgment so notice between faith in christ and righteousness and the judgment which would happen at death or the rapture of the church what's between righteousness and and judgment what's what's do you see that do you see how powerful that verse is it shows me that from the time we get saved to the time we go be with the lord that interval Okay? Should all be about a Christian exhibiting what? Self-control. Do you see how how vital self-control is? You will see as we go, it's so vitally important that we have this fruit to the full in our lives. Now... Of the nine fruit, this one, self-control, is the one that most people don't want to talk about. Most Christians now don't want to talk about this one. And notice here, notice what happens when Paul, look at verse 25. Notice what happens when Paul starts talking to Felix about self-control and judgment. But but self-control... Notice Felix was afraid and answered, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I'll call for you. When you start talking to Christians about overeating. Now, how many of you know, we, 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 we center in a lot on, you know, we shouldn't gossip. Well, we center in on a lot about, shouldn't commit sexual sins. And, and the Bible talks about the fruit of the, or the uh, lust of the flesh Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. We talk a lot about that, you know, preachers do, you know. And, you know, if we had self-control, we'd never mess up sexually. Is that right? So, okay. But, but, but a lot of times, I've watched preachers over the many years, they'll be beating the pulpit telling people not to commit, you know, you fornicator, you idolater, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and all those things are bad. We shouldn't do them. But while the preacher's beating the pulpit telling people, you know... You shouldn't commit adultery and all of that. A lot of times he's 100 pounds overweight and going to go have cheeseburgers for lunch. That's gluttony, isn't it? Huh? Come on now. I, I can speak about this. I used to be one of those preachers. Stepping on everybody else's toes. And, I'm, and, I, and my life is completely out of control. Drinking 8 and 10 and more cans of Diet Coke a day. Come on now. Eating hamburgers, cheeseburgers, every kind of burger you can imagine. There's, 
Well, we'll see this as we go. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But when you start talking about self-control, see, we're talking about every aspect of our life, not just sexually, but appetites, spending. How many of you know a lot of people get in trouble and they spend too much on the wrong things? And they don't have this fruit of self-control developed. Is that right? And you, you start talking about this self-control. This is really the essence of the entirety of the Christian life is controlling ourselves. Not just with things we shouldn't do, but things we should do. You start telling Christians that you really should be in church every Sunday morning. You're going to, I mean, because most Christians don't go in the land. I'm talking in the land, don't go every Sunday. Most Christians are every other Go every other Sunday or every third Sunday or every once in a while. You know it takes self-control to discipline yourself to come to church every Sunday like the Bible says you're supposed to on the first day of the week. Is that right? See, you start talking about this stuff and and people are going to... I know, I've been doing this a long time. You start talking about self-control, you're not going to have a lot of friends. They're going to say, don't talk about that, don't talk about that. Talk on something else, don't talk about self-control. But yet this self-control is the essence of the entirety of the Christian life from the time we get saved from the, to the time we go to be with the Lord. I think that the reason people don't want to talk, I'm talking Christians now, don't want to talk about self-control. I mean, if, just think about this. If you have self-control, you're not going to commit any of those sexual sins, are you? You're not going to be an idolater, are you? You're not going to be a sorcerer, hatred. You're not going to have jealousy about you. You're not going to have an outburst of wrath, are you? You're not going to have selfish ambitions or dissensions or heresies. You're not going to get into arguments with people. Why? Because you're going to have self-control to pull back from that. You're not going to commit murder, even though you'd like to sometimes, you know. But you're not going to. Why? Because it's going to pull you, that self-control is going to keep you in check. And so forth. We could go on and on. I think that the reason people don't want to talk about self-control is because this fruit is the one that challenges us maybe the most. It challenges our flesh the most. Because you know your flesh, even though you're saved, you still have that flesh to deal with. And that flesh wants to do all kinds of, you know, somebody talks bad about me, well, I'm going to talk bad about them. But self-control keeps you from doing that. Huh? Huh? Titus chapter 2, verse 11. I'm going to read this in the New International Version, the NIV. Kind of restates what we've already said about self-control being the essence of the Christian life. Notice Titus 2, verse 11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men or to all people. It, what does the grace of God teach us to do? It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to what? To live self-controlled, see, upright and godly lives in this present age. See, how do we get saved? We get saved by the grace of God, through faith in Jesus, you see. And once we get saved, then what does that grace teach us to do? It teaches us to live self-controlled lives, 
godly lives. Until, until, look at verse 13, until what? Until when? While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So you see, from the time you get saved by God's grace, until the appearing of the Lord, or until you die and go to be with Him, what is the essence of the Christian life? It's composed of what fruit? Self-control. Now, all the fruit are important, but we're talking about self-control here today. There wouldn't be any arguments. There wouldn't be any strife in a church if every Christian had what? Self-control. So self-control, somebody said, well, what does self-control mean? It means self-control. Remember how we've been giving you the definitions of all these these words that are used in the nine fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and love is easy, joy, peace is easy. But you get down to some of those other ones that we looked at and you, you, know, you look at long-suffering and you know, goodness and gentleness and you really have to go into the Greek language to really get the essence of what they mean, not just look at the English words. And I did that for you. So if you missed out on those, you can go to our website and get caught up. For, don't cost you anything. Just go look it up and listen to it and it'll help you. But self-control, there's no great, wonderful Greek definition for it. What does self-control mean? It means self-control. I guess if we did want to define it a little bit, the King James, what did we say the King James called it? Temperance. Temperance means abstaining from things. Abstaining. Remember back in, when was it, the 30s or the 40s, there was that temperance movement here in the United States and what was the temperance on abstaining from what alcohol Alcohol. and uh, this word self-control also means continence continence or self-restraint now you know if you're taking notes I I, I was thinking about this there's there's much we could say but I'm going to just give you two here there's two ways to cultivate this fruit of self-control or restraint in your life the first is found in Proverbs 29.18 notice what the Bible says Proverbs 29.18 where there is no revelation or it, it really could be translated where there is no vision the people cast off what? restraint See, if you want this fruit of self-control in your life, one thing you need to have is a plan for your life. You need to have a vision for your life. You need to go to a church where they have a vision, which we share with you from time to time. The vision of any church should be to win the lost at any cost. Is that right? But then also, the local church is to take newborn babes in Christ and develop them into disciples of the Lord. Where there is no revelation, where there is no vision, the people cast off what? Restraint. See, you need to have a vision for your life. You need to have some plan, a plan for your life, goals for your life. If you don't have that, it's going to, the Bible says without that, you'll cast off restraint. What are we talking about this morning? Self-restraint. And then here's another one. 
You'll find in uh, the book of Exodus, don't, don't put it up there just yet, I just want to set it up. Remember when Moses had the children of Israel and, and he went up on the mountain to get the Ten Commandments? How many remembers that? And he left somebody in charge of the people while he went up to get the commandments. Who, who was that? His brother Aaron. Now Aaron was a wimp. Now some good things about Aaron, but by and large he was a wimp. He was a wimp spiritual leader. Now Moses, we, ta- we taught you in one of the, when we looked at meekness, Moses was a meek man. He was humble, teachable, trainable, but he was also, he was also had a boldness about him. We know that because he got angry at the people and he broke the, he broke the commandments, right? Moses wasn't going to let, I mean, when, 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 when he came down off that mountain and he saw those people worshiping the golden calf, remember what he did? He had them burn that calf and put the ashes in the water and he made them drink the water with the ashes in it. Is that right? Now, if I did that, you people would leave and never want to come back. But Moses did it. He, he was bold, but yet he was humble. His brother wasn't like that. His brother was a pretty much of a wimp. He let the people do whatever, he, whatever they wanted. Right, And then his brother, when Moses questioned him about the calf, he said, well, we just took this, this, this gold jewelry, we put it in the oven, and out came the calf. I mean, you know, come on. So when Moses was up on the mountain, Aaron was running things. He was pastoring the congregation while Moses was on the mountain. And when, while that was going on, guess what happened? The people went nuts they lost all what all self-restraint all self-control and let me prove it here to you in exodus 32 25 as moses comes down off the mountain now when moses saw that the people were what were what Uh, what they were what unrestrained for aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies aaron had not what re strain them what am i trying to tell you if you want to have the fruit of self-control in your life you need to be sure that you find the church that god wants you to be at and if and if it's a church that god called you will have a a a pastor in the pulpit that is humble and gentle but yet also bold enough to tell you the truth come on now tell you things that you don't necessarily want to hear like a while ago when I talked about Christians being every other see that steps on people's toes people don't want to hear that but it's the truth see I didn't beat anybody over the head with it but if the shoe fits what see you want a pastor like that you want somebody that will love you be gentle be humble but also be bold enough to step on your toes lovingly if you need it done. If you don't have a pastor like that, you will never develop this self-control to the full in your life. And we see that with Moses and Aaron and the people. You need, a, a, you, you need you know, to be sure you have a pastor that isn't going to just tickle your ears and give you a bunch of cotton candy sermons every single time. 
See, we live in a society here in the United States of a lot of cotton candy sermons all the time. And no wonder there's not any more restraint among the people in the United States. Interesting, isn't it? So have a vision for your life. Have a, have a plan. Have a goal. But also have a, have a pastor. Not a pastor that runs your life. No, no, you, you don't need me to run your life. You don't need me to hear from God for you. There is some things you won't get from the Lord, though, unless you'll see. Let me put it this way. You don't need your pastor to hear from God for you. You've got the Bible. You can do that. The Holy Spirit will talk to you. But there's some things that you'll only get through your pastor. You understand that? Like those churches in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. There there were some things that the only way those people were going to get instruction was through Jesus giving it to John who gave it then to the pastors who gave it then to the people, see? So you want a pastor that is humble, like Moses, but also strong, that will tell you the truth. And if you don't have that, you'll never develop this self-control to the full in your life. There will always be some unrestraint about you. Now, this fruit of self-control is so important that this is the fruit that the Bible says that we should be known by. Now, of course, love is the most important fruit. We understand that. But, but it's interesting, this particular fruit of self-control is the fruit that we as Christians should be known by. And it makes sense that, what do we say a while ago, from the time you get saved to the time you go to be with the Lord, what is the whole of the Christian life composed of? What? Self-control. This is the fruit we should be Known by. Now another definition for it is moderation. Real loud, say moderation. 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 Which means balance. Doing nothing in excess. Look at Philippians 4, 5. I want to read this in the King James Version. Philippians 4, verse 5. Notice what the Bible says, let your moderation be known to what? Let your moderation be made known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. I mean, the Lord being at hand, if you know that you were going to meet the Lord later this afternoon at Walmart, you're walking through Walmart, you're going to be on your best behavior, aren't you? Huh? There's going to be a lot of self-control about you, isn't there? I find it interesting. People can be self-controlled if they want to be. I've watched this over the years. Uh, people that maybe they don't keep their house as straight as they <laughs> as they should. And they just don't do that. But all of a sudden, because I've done this a few times over the years, and I'll just show up and knock on somebody's door. And it takes a while for them to answer because they're straightening everything up. Anyway, let your moderation be known to who? To all men. We should be known by this fruit. Is that right? Yes or no? We should be known as self-controlled. 
I mean, this fruit here will get people, get sinners saved quicker than anything else. This fruit right here, you don't even many times have to say a word to a sinner. Just have this fruit and they'll want to get saved. When they see you self-controlled. They see somebody talk bad about you and you don't respond. You control yourself. They see you lose at something and you don't blow your stack. You're self-controlled. They never hear you talking bad about people. The Bible says you can win people to the Lord without ever speaking a word, just by living a self-controlled life. This fruit is so important. Let your moderation be known to all men. What does moderation mean? It means balance. It means doing nothing in excess. (laughs) I saw something funny one time. I was... Have you ever flipped the channels, you know, you're flipping along there? And all of a sudden I'm watching, I'm watching and, 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 and this interview comes on and Barbara Walters, has anybody ever heard of Barbara Walters? She's from, that, had that, I think she's from New York, she had that little lisp about, about her, her and, and, and I liked her, she was fine. And then Paula Dean. anybody ever hear of Paula Dean? She had that southern drawl, she's that, you know, that cook that she, you know, she cooks all these fancy desserts and things and she puts butter in everything butter 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 and so so i'm sitting there and i'm i'm watching this i'm just flipping along and all of a sudden here comes paula dean being interviewed by uh, barbara walters and and so uh talking about moderation and uh well they were talking they were interviewing and 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 so they come on there and, and 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 barbara walters says paula i want to talk to you about obesity obesity and uh, Paul says what you talking about baby and and Barbara Walsh says you know full well what I'm talking about baby I'm talking about obesity she said "What, what are you talking about baby she said I want to show you this clip and so they went to a clip and so Paul is on there with her son, who's about 40 years old. And she said, she said uh, I want to introduce everybody out there in the audience to my baby. This is my baby, Jamie. I love my baby. I've been feeding the baby butter ever since he's been born. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. And so it clips back, and it goes back to Barbara Walters. And she said, now, Paula, I want to challenge you on that. She said, you're promoting childhood obesity in the land. And Paula says to Barbara, she says, it's okay, baby. Everything's just going to be okay. And Barbara Walters says, no, baby. Or no, she said, no, Paula. She said, I'm going to press you on this, on this point. She said, you are promoting obesity in the land. What are you going to do about it? And Paula says, baby, I told you don't worry about it. Don't worry about all the butter. She said, she said I bake these desserts, but everything in moderation, baby, everything in moderation. I thought that was hilarious. I was trying to do my Baba Walters. I was trying to do my Paula Dean. I like Paula. I, I like I like Barbara Walters, but I really like Paula Dean. 
And I like all that butter. Everything in moderation, baby. Everything in moderation. A lot of truth in that, isn't there? There's nothing wrong with butter. Nothing wrong with eating stuff with butter in it. As long as you do it in moderation. Come on now. You know there's nothing wrong with eating something with butter in it. But when you eat 16 donuts or, or cookies... Now you got a problem because there's no self what? Control. Notice, I thought they'd find that a little funnier than that. I, I got to do my impressions a little bit better. We all could use a good laugh. This church could, this church could use a good belly laugh. I mean just laugh to just where you just roll on the floor. I don't mean fake stuff. I mean really funny stuff. Everything in what, baby? Moderation. There you go. Sometimes I think you can get so serious. You know, the, a lot of folks not going to like heaven. The Bible says God sits up there and laughs. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Oh, yeah. We get too serious a lot of times. We need to have a little fun once in a while. It's one reason folks don't come to church, because they're never having any fun. But even on that, see, even on that, moderation. See, we shouldn't be laughing and going on crazy all the time. We should be serious some, right? But see, this church, we're, we, we're kind of in a ditch on the other. We don't have enough fun around here. We need to have some fun. You know, one way we could start is everybody could start smiling at me. Or you know, when I tell a joke like that, you could just humor me and laugh by faith. This is, this is. Do what? <laughs> Everything in moderation, baby. Right? So that's the only thing some people are going to remember. Everything in what? But you know what? If you learn that, you'd, you'd do well, right? Look at Ephesians 5.18. King James Version. Be not drunk with wine. Wherein is what? Is what? Wherein is excess? But be filled with the Spirit. Now, said, don't be drunk with wine. Isn't it interesting that Paul wrote to a church and had to tell them not to, be, not to get drunk? He's not writing to sinners here. He's writing to Christians, isn't he? And he said, be not drunk with wine. Wherein is what? Excess. Now, let me just say this. Much, now, listen carefully. Much can be said about drinking alcohol. I do not, as a preacher, or at all, condone social drinking. I do not. And by the way, the Spirit of God directed me. I'm, I'm not going to deal with it here this morning. But I'm going to do an in-depth look at the subject of drinking alcohol in my Bible study on Wednesday nights when we get to where Jesus turned the water into wine. We're going to look at the Bible and get, get a, 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 find out what the Bible actually says about Christians drinking alcohol. So come to those Bible studies and we'll find, we'll find out what the Bible says about it. But I tell you what, I don't condone social drinking. So we're going to take an in-depth look at it. But for today's message, can we all agree that drunkenness is a sin? Everybody agrees with that. 
but there's, a, there's one school of thought that says you shouldn't drink alcohol at all. And there's another school of thought that says, well, it's okay to drink, just don't get drunk. But, but, but I, I don't condone social drinking. I don't, I don't like it. I've watched it destroy too many people's lives and there's too much in the Bible that speaks against it. But one thing is for sure. If you have this fruit of self-control, you will never get drunk. Is that correct? Yes or no? Is that right? And uh, it's just... uh, It's just like eating food. It's not wrong to eat food, is it? But where's the problem when you eat too much? That's called, starts with a G, gluttony. The Bible says that's a sin just like drunkenness. I have in my notes here, not everything in moderation is good. Is gossip in moderation good? You get the idea. It's the excessiveness. 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 Uh, I want to read from my notes. Self-control looks a lot like willpower, but it's not. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We must realize this fruit is in our spirits as Christians, we must lean on this fruit to keep our minds and bodies under control. And uh, this is what I finally did concerning food and my weight. I've said this many times, but see, I can talk about weight because I've overcome it. I was 60 pounds overweight. My cholesterol numbers were through the roof. I was a heart attack waiting to happen. My skin had become pasty looking. I had a big old... Around here, and that's a sign of a heart attack. I was a heart attack waiting to happen. My dad died of a heart attack. I was my pasty skin. You know what I mean, pasty. My skin was pasty. It was. It was. I was just. It was just a matter of time. And uh, the spirit of God dealt with me and whatnot. I had tried to overcome weight with willpower, and I had done a good job for about two weeks at a time. And every January, I'd make a resolution. I'd lose weight about two or three weeks. I'd lose the weight. It'd start looking pretty decent. And then uh, all of a sudden, I'd <laughs> willpower only works for a while. I'd start putting the weight back on. And I'd always put more on than what I lost. And that was a vicious cycle. And I'd gotten to the point where I was so overweight, the doctor was going to put me on medicine and a heart attack waiting to happen. And so I got in the Word of God and I learned some things about this fruit of self-control. And what, 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 what happened is, is that I, I've, over time I lost, when I, I lost 60 pounds, but I did it through eating right. So I had to do away with some things in my diet. And uh, I, I threw out, I don't eat sugar hardly at all. I don't eat meat hardly at all. I, I, I eat lots of vegetables. I don't eat, I, I stopped drinking the butter. I stopped the butter went. Um, and Diane, she, she used to make cookies and she still does, but she'd make cookies. And uh, I, would, I would eat cookies, cookies. I'd, hi, I'd, I'd steal cookies out when I shouldn't have been. You know, uh, when she'd make cake, I'd eat a piece and then, I, and then I'd, cut, I'd cut it 
where, you know, a strip of it where she wouldn't know that, the, where, where, that, I'd, that I'd gotten some more off. I mean, I had all kinds of sneaky ways to, I'd get up in the morning, she'd make me lunch, and then I'd buy another lunch over at Quick Trip, you know, and I'd eat two lunches, her sandwich and the sandwich over at Quick Trip. I would, uh, I'd stop at White Castle, I'd eat eight White Castles, and sometimes I, I, I would then go to McDonald's and get a Big Mac and a quarter pounder with cheese. I'd go in and, and I'd start looking at the donuts and I couldn't, and I've got this other thing about myself. I can't, I can't if, I, if I see three or four things that I like, I can't make a decision. So instead of making a decision, I get all three or four of them. Sometimes I'd buy and I'd, 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 get, a, I'd get a snicker bar on. See, people don't like talking about this stuff because we're right down wherever, where people live, see. Yeah, but I get a Snicker bar, a big Snicker bar on the way to on the way to get the mail, and I get a payday on the way back. And now I've been in, in a quick trip. They make the really big Snicker bars now. I mean, it looks like the Jolly Green Giant's going to eat eat that. But if I was still, you know, I'd be buying those. But see, I, 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 I had I had that I had that problem, and, and and I overcame it with willpower for a while. But it just got to a point where. I got in there, I got in there with the fruit of the Spirit and I learned some things about self-control and I cut it all off. Can you say amen? amen? And not just that. See, this self-control is not just about quitting things. It's about incorporating things in your life that are good. And guess what I incorporated in my life that was good? Exercise. Every day, I run about six miles. Every other day, I work on, the, I work on weights. And the Bowflex. And I, for five years, going on six years now, I've kept this weight off. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. It's because that self-control, it caused a lifestyle change. So self-control is not just about not doing bad things, but it's about doing, getting good habits in your life. I mean, when I started doing exercises, I couldn't do a sit-up. I mean, Diane would hold my feet and I'd lay on the floor and I couldn't do a sit-up. And now I do 200 of them a day with a 40 pound, or 200 of them every other day with a 40 pound weight on my chest. But when I started, I couldn't do one. I had that big old belly in the way. And so I'm laying there and see what I'm talking about now is I'm I'm trying to save people's lives here. And on the internet, there's a lot of people listening on the internet that aren't even in the room. And, and when I did that first sit-up, it, it did everything I could. And, and she said, well, we've got to do 50 of these. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I can't even do one. So I got it going. And, and I used, I, see, I'm smart. I used the, the synergy of my belly to pull me up. And so I got that, boom. And then, and then I got the weight just so my belly, it was really funny. When you see me down there, I look like a beach whale doing, the, doing these, doing these sit-ups. And so she said, we're going to do 50. So I said, sounds good. So I count them, 10. 20, 30, 40. So these people, they just sit there. That's hilarious. That is absolutely hilarious. Say self-control. Now I've trained myself every day. She'll ask my wife. I go out and run. Run in the neighborhood. Eat right. Exercise. There's another area, this will help you too, spending. is I've never had trouble with spending, but here's where I have trouble. When I start looking at clothes, 
Remember when I look at donuts, I need one of each kind. When I start looking at clothes, I start looking at shirts or suits or whatever. There's something about me, I need one of each color. Now you know what, that could run the, that could run the credit card way up. You know how many Christians are in trouble because they... See that? They can't control that. You know it's a whole lot easier. See that right there? You know it's a whole lot easier to turn loose of that than it is to turn loose of... Huh? See, it's harder. Now, really, seriously, which one is it harder to turn loose of? It's hard to turn loose of the cash. But, but, but I've watched Christians and, and sinners alike, they, they, get, they go crazy, just, you know, just kind of like at the slot machine. Just, just you know, like Wilma Flintstone said one time, I don't, you probably don't know who she is, but she was going to the store. She said, her and Betty rubble, they charge it, you know, and Fred's just, you know, that's her husband, he's got to pay the bill. Real easy to turn loose of this, but you know, this can get you, this has put Christians in so much trouble. Now, is there anything wrong with having a credit card? Absolutely not. Nothing wrong with having a line of credit. What's the problem when there's no what? So you know what I do with suits and shirts? You know what I do? I don't go on the internet and look at them. I don't go to the, when I'm in the store, I stay away from the, from the clothes department. Make it easier on yourself. Now when I go into a, into a quick trip, I don't go by the donut counter hardly at all. I sure don't go to Krispy Kreme. Make it easier on yourself. Can you say amen? amen? It's like, yeah, we could go on and talk forever about these things. Spiritual things, natural things. You know, I watch people over 25 plus years of doing this, 35 years really. And it's, I watch people in their finances. They, they, they're no self-control. Christians usually are going to, they'll tithe, but naturally they're out of control over here. They're spending, 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 and they wonder how come tithing doesn't work for them. And then I get, see people, they say, well, tithing don't work, so now they're going to come over here. They're going to work 16 jobs, and, and, and then they leave out the spiritual. Why can't we be self-controlled and have the spiritual and the natural working together and make an explosive force for God? I don't know. Just something about our flesh. We all need to hear a message like this. Let me close up by showing you Paul's dilemma. Real quickly, I want to close this up and then we'll be done. Romans 7, verse 15. I want to read several verses and then, then we'll be done. Are you getting anything out of this? Are you? Are you I don't, sometimes I don't know if I'm getting through to you or not. Notice here in Romans 7, verse 15. He says, for what, what I am doing, I don't understand. The New Living says, I really don't understand myself. Has anybody ever said that about that? I really... He says, for what I will to do, I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. Is that speaking to anybody right there? If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good, but now it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. See, this is a Christian, but he's dealing with his flesh. He says, verse 18, for I know that in me that is in my what? In my flesh, nothing good dwells. You need to know that about yourself. 
Even right now, I've got my flesh under control where it comes to food. But I tell you what, if you put an emos, are we eat, how many emos in here? Are you emos, little Caesars? What's your favorite? Come on. You put an emos sausage pizza in front of me right now, and I tell you what, the flesh, my flesh wants to eat the pizza and the box. What are we talking about today? So guess what? We just don't go to the pizza place. Sometimes we do, and, and now, Diane and I, when we go out, we, eat, we, get, we used to each get our own meal. Now we get a meal and split it. You know the portions have gotten so big here? Have you ever, ever noticed that? Plus, it, plus, if you split a meal, you don't eat as much, and it doesn't cost as much. For I know that in me, in my flesh, verse 18, nothing good dwells for... To will is pre- he wants to do what's right. To will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. Does that talking to anybody? I mean, that's talking. I, I want to do what's right, but I don't. How to do it? For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil that I do do not want to do, that I practice. Boy, he's reading my my book here. Verse twenty. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me, that's in his flesh. See, I find in a law that evil's present with me, the one who wants to do good, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members, in, in his flesh, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity. How many of you have ever felt like you're in captivity to your flesh? To the law of sin which is in my members. He says, oh wretched man that I am. Have you ever thought that about yourself? Oh wretched person. (laughs) Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, he he asks a question and guess what the answer is. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, Jesus can set you free through this fruit of self-control. Can you say amen? Now notice Romans 8. You're right there in Romans 7. Look at Romans 8 verse 1. He says, There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So what did, we, what did, what did the Bible say earlier? Walk in the Spirit and you'll not what? Fulfill the lust or desires of the flesh. It says, the law of the, life, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. Thank God for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ. So here's what he does. He's, he's in a bad shape. He says, I want to do what's right, but I don't find how to do it. I don't know how to do it. I don't know what I'm going to do. And then here's, and I'm going to close this by teaching you how to, how to get this fruit going in your life. Look at verse 6. To be carnally minded is what? But to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. Walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay? So here's what he does. Go to 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. Here's what Paul does. Here's what he does. He starts with his mind. If you ever want to get your flesh under control, you've got to start with your mind. You've got to, you've got to flow with this fruit of the Spirit, self-control, and it starts in your mind, and here's how it works. 2 Corinthians 10.5, King James Version, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity what? Every thought to the obedience of Christ. So you're going to have to start thinking right. Okay? So that's what he does. He's the old wretched man that I am. I'm under captivity. I feel like I'm in bondage to this flesh. I can't control the spending. I can't control the eating. I can't control the whatever it is. What do you do? You begin to what? Think right. The Bible says renew your mind to the word of God. Okay? That's what you, And then the second thing you do, and then, we'll, and then we're done. Look at 1 Corinthians 9... Verse 24. 
Look at this. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. You start with your mind, and then it translates to your flesh. Watch this. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Now he's going to tell you how to do that. And everyone who competes for the prize is what? Is what? Is 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 what? Is what? Is temperate. Is temperate. Or we could say is self-controlled in all things. Okay? Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus. Now here's what he said. Here's how I do it. Not with uncertainty. What did we tell you a while ago about having a vision? If you have a vision, you won't cast off restraint. You'll be restrained. So he says, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. He's not just out there just just beating, beating the air. He's got a goal. And then he says, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. So he starts with his mind, he has a plan, and then he gets to a point through this fruit of self-control where he's able to discipline his body and instead of his flesh having him under control, he brings his flesh under control. You see that? And what what does it take? Real loud say discipline. And most people don't like that. Lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. I, I, look at, uh, this will be on the screen. Look at verse 27 in the NIV. He says, I beat my body and make it my slave. That doesn't mean that he, he inflicted harm to his body. That he didn't cut himself or that kind of stuff. He, what, it, what it means is he treated his body rough. See, when Diane makes all those cookies and she's following, because she has those Paula Deen recipes. She does. My wife, she put six sticks of butter in something the other day. Okay, you didn't. All right, all right. She put four sticks of butter in. How many sticks she put in? At least two. But you know what I had to do? I had to beat my body. I had to look at Amplified Bible. It says like a boxer. Like a boxer. I mean, like a boxer. I had to just... Just get out of the kitchen, run like Joseph ran from that woman that was trying to get him to have sex with her. Remember that? I had to run out of the kitchen. See, I've never had trouble, Paulette, with sexual stuff, but I have trouble with food. I mean, I have to run from it. Run, run, Forrest, run. I mean, I was running the other day up at the Rockwood South, you know. Now, I didn't watch Forrest Gump until they edited it. There's a lot of dirty stuff in it. But I watch, see, self-control. I watch movies after they edit them. Because there's a lot of vile stuff in Forrest Gump. But I'm running up at the school the other day and the the junior high was letting out, you know. And I'm running. And this kid yells out the back of the bus. He said, run, Forrest, run. I just thought, smart aleck. Anyway, I don't miss teaching junior high. I really don't But anyway, run. Say run, Forrest, run. Yeah, that's right. That's what you got to do when it comes to certain things. Maybe it's not food with you. Maybe it's it's something else. I don't know. Maybe it's whatever it is. Do we all have something we need to run from? Screen time. What do you mean by that? Screen time. 
Telephone, television, TV. Yeah. You don't want to let your telephone run you. You know, most people aren't driving their car anymore. They're, they're talking on their phone while they drive their car. He said, I discipline my body in the New Living Translation. Stand with me if you would. Do you get anything out of this uh, series? Yes. Fruit? Yes. You know the best point we should take from this series? From these last 10 weeks? Just bow your heads, would you? I preached a little long today. That's all right. The best point that you should take from this series, heads bowed, eyes closed, the best point you should take over the last 10 weeks is that if you'll have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, all nine of these fruit flow into the full, this is the best point. This is how I sum up the series. Best point we made in 10 weeks. If you'll have these nine fruit in your life to the full, you, the Bible says, we looked up the verses at one of the previous sessions, you will never stumble and you will never cause anyone else to stumble. You will never stumble and you will never cause anyone else to stumble. And you know what? That's what it's all about, isn't it? So I'm glad we spent 10 weeks on these things. And if we never stumble ourselves and we've never caused anybody else to stumble, is worth it all. Father, I pray for the people that these words that we've spoken over the last 10 weeks wouldn't just be vain words spoken out that die, but that the word has gone out. The people have taken hold of it. They've grabbed a hold of it with their spirits. And they'll let the fruit of the Spirit develop in their lives. They'll walk in the Spirit. They will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And if we do miss it and stumble some way or another, we can come to you with a repentant heart and confess our sins and you're faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We thank you for it. Jesus' name. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never done that, you need to do that before you leave here today. There really